Yeah. David, David, David. Happy New Year, buddy. Happy friggin' New Year. Um, do you know what day it is? We we did New Year's last time. Oh, well, I just figured because 2020 is repeating itself, I can repeat my episodes nonstop and we'll be totally okay. You know when you get so distracted by something you forget that you were supposed to say, hey everybody, welcome to the Scene on Screen podcast? That literally just happened to me. Um, I, I was looking at the uh, some of the content that we have planned for today, and I laughed at the developer name Nippon Ichi Software because I read it really quickly, and I read it as Nipple Ichi, and that's the way my day's been going. David, how yeah. the hell are you? <laughs> well, I'm not dyslexic today, so that's a plus. That's true. Uh, whew, it's been a wild week since uh, we talked last. There's a uh, it's like the world is just trying to end itself. Yeah. My, I, I don't understand why people think that, you know, December 31st, everything that's crazy in the world is just going to stop. And like January 1st, it's as if, you know, everyone's just like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to stop being psycho right now and go back to being normal. So I, I see all these like memes and stuff like that. It's like, oh, could it be 2022 already? It's like, no, that's not how <laughs> the world works. Like, do you remember how everybody said like 2016 was one of the worst years of all time with all the celebrity deaths and everything that kind of happened in the world? And like, personally, I had a, a terrible end to 2016. Mm-hmm. But I've I've since then come to the realization that, you know what, saying like this was the worst year ever is pretty much not the case unless you have something personally damaging to you. I mean, 2020 has been an awful year. Some good came out of it for lots of people, but generally it was just kind of a, a depressing time. And now we're we're going into it again where, uh, I mean, for you guys who are first time listeners, this podcast is 100% produced, recorded in Ontario. And we're in now what seems to be our 18th lockdown, but it's really only the second one where we've all been told to stay at home. Unless you're essentially essential or not essential, but helping essentials and the rules don't make any sense. It's business as usual, essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except it's, uh, now you can get in trouble if you're outside. And it's a perfect time to catch up on some movies, catch up on some TV, play something you love or try and avoid CNN because it appears that every hour there's new breaking news that has come out of our friends to the south and for our listeners there. Hold on, guys. It's almost over. We think maybe I don't. I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Uh yeah. It's it's been a interesting start to the year, mostly because, like Ontario, uh, the provincial government. For anyone who does not live here, the provincial government decided to uh, put the province in lockdown because our COVID cases have in- been increasing exponentially over the last few weeks which you know like whatever i'm all for except the problem is that really it's only affecting small businesses because you know the big stores like walmart best or costco and like grocery stores and stuff like that they all stay open because they're essential um and the thing is is now you know the 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 lockdown hasn't really done anything you know because cases are still rising and all that stuff and um, we're actually on the two week mark past, uh, we, I guess we just passed, uh, the two week mark of Christmas when everyone was like visiting families and stuff like that and, and new year's. Right. Which means we're a day or two away from insanity. Right. So there's going to be, a, uh, the numbers have already started jumping. Sorry. Significantly over the last, uh, few days, but we're going to probably see them jump even more. But so they did this like second lockdown, which is as they, they call it a stay at home order. And essentially it's the most confusing thing ever because we're in, you, you know, Lord of the Rings. Yes. Second breakfast. 
Yes. That's that's the first thing I thought of. It's like, oh, but we already have lockdown. But what about second lockdown? <laughs> like, we're we're in double lockdown. So essentially, everything's the same. The only thing that changes is that now you can technically get in trouble and find in jail time if you're outside of your house for non-essential reasons or not exercise. Um, and stores that are doing curbside pickup or like essential businesses that are open have to can't open before 7 a.m. and can't or and have to be closed by 8 p.m. Um but I was reading today the uh, the provincial government gave out some info to like the police chiefs in different jurisdictions in Ontario. Naturally, that's what you do. Essentially, cops can't randomly pull people over and ask them like where they're going, what they're doing out and stuff like that. Cops don't have the right to go into anyone's homes or ask like if people are like they live there or not. Like they, they really can't do anything. All it's, it's, it's just like, I guess it's just to give them kind of more freedom. If like people are gathering in large groups and people are out partying or whatever, but yeah, it's just been a, a crazy two weeks of January. And uh, I'm still working because my workplace is deemed essential. <laughs> You're still working, right? Yep, we are an essential service. Yeah, we we both work in very different industries. Mine is healthcare related, but uh, I, as much as I I would not want to be unfortunately like some of the unfortunate people, you know, stuck at home without work. I think that there needs to be stricter limitations to what can and can't be open. Um, this is just my opinion, you know, like. I I know that like um like walking clinics and stuff like that a lot of them are doing stuff uh over like webcam and whatnot right mm-hmm. um all non essential like not uh non emergent surgeries have been canceled in hospitals and stuff like that but anywhere else that does surgeries and procedures are still open and. I think that there needs to be some more limitations on that stuff, but Hey, whatever. I, I don't make the rules. I think, uh, hopefully things are going to start slowing down a bit now that there's these more strict rules on people staying home, but I don't know. I still work Monday to Friday. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think at the end of the day, and we're obviously not going to make this a, a political point in our podcast, However, we're eventually going to get to the point where they're going to have to make an actual decision on what is deemed essential and non-essential. If you remember going back to March, like, yeah, I was still working, but we were in a very controlled environment doing literally essential work and nothing else. Yeah. And now there's a plethora of companies who are able to continue to operate, which is fine. Like, I understand the the need for certain items 100% but it's keeping shopping malls open shopping malls have the ability to allow people to congregate um there like if you go up into any one of their food courts or anything you do see like large lines of people i saw and uh, i'm not sure what mall it was but i saw a clip from a mall's food court line and i was just like wow like they're not even close to 6 feet apart and maybe it's because we're naive and maybe it's because we we assume that everybody just cares enough to to kind of deal with it but come on guys we can we can not not to sound like our premier but like if we just do this for the time we need to we can start going about our lives again and right. i think that's what we all need like uh, don't get me wrong i think we have lots of good things coming especially for you guys but it's not the quality is not going to increase if I'm at home all day. Like I still need to work. I still need to make a livelihood. And so does everybody else. We just make our lives easier and just go out. If you need to don't go out cause you're bored. Don't go out cause you want to, if you're going to go outside, run around a park, maybe throw a ball with somebody in your household. If you don't have somebody in your household, but you're allowed to be with another household, do something like that. 
And if all else fails, David and I are here for you. Not only that, there's board games, there's video games, there's movies, there's tons of podcasts, there's tons of everything. And that's all we really got to say about it. I I think just to add on to that a little bit there, we're lucky in the sense that this is happening in 2020, 2021, where technology is at the point where people have an unlimited amount of entertainment at their fingertips, right? Like everything is connected. Like any TV, phone, computer, you know, even, even my 3ds that is like from like 10 years ago has a web browser on it and I can, you know, browse Reddit on that, you know, like, so we're lucky that we have these options to still connect with people, although, you know, online and stuff like that, but there's a lot of people that that's all they do. They just play video games online and stuff like that. So we're lucky in that sense, but uh, you know, who else is lucky? Everybody who purchased CD project reds, latest game, cyberpunk 2077. I wouldn't necessarily call that lucky, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good news, everyone. The developers have taken responsibility. And like I, like many others, have watched the clip. I tried to listen to the inflections in his voice. And all that it really told me is that as much as they don't want to admit it, Cyberpunk got rushed due to financial constraints. It was your investors are going to back out or you're going to have to pay off loans quicker if you don't put the game out and they they were like the claim that they said um, was cyberpunk 2077 is a huge scope. It features a me- uh, multitude of custom objects, interacting systems and mechanics in the game. Everything is not stretched out or over flattened tr- or sorry, everything is not stretched out over a flat terrain, which makes it less taxing on the hardware. However, everything is condensed into one large city. This is why it, they focused so much on the experience on PC and they thought they had enough time to dumb it down for essentially every console. And to me, like just hearing those words made it even more unacceptable. It made me want to get a refund for my game, which has crashed twice, by the way. But the big thing is, you can't just apologize about that. You can't be like, oh, we didn't realize these bugs were here. Obviously, there are going to be bugs because every studio has bugs after launch and yeah. they fix it. And and they know that they the game was buggy, right? Like they 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 knew that the comparison in quality between PC and consoles wasn't there. You know, like there is such a, a, a huge gap in the the, the different versions. Um, it's unfortunate that a game with such hype, like this game was announced in production, like back in what, 2008, something like that. 2008. Was it 2000? No, not. We started seeing stuff in like 2017, maybe 2008. Uh, hold on. Cyber 2077 first trailer. 2012. The title reveal was in 2012. Okay, there you go. Same thing. 2008, 2012. What's the difference, right? It's long enough. <laughs> long <laughs> enough ago, right? So they, they for a game that has been kind of under wraps and in development for the last, you know, almost 10 years to be released at this in this state. And I know that we had the our big giveaway for uh Cyberpunk 2770 uh, Cyberpunk 2077 and uh yeah, whatever. <laughs> it kind of sucks that the game is essentially broken, but you know what? At least, at least Cyberpunk or sorry, CD Projekt Red is um, being maybe more or less transparent with the issues. Like they're answering, like they have on their website for Cyberpunk.net, they have um, like a press release with a bunch of questions and explanations as to like what was going on. Like what was the main issue that made development for consoles that difficult? And they give like an, an answer. The main culprit was having to constantly improve our in-game streaming system for old gen consoles. Streaming is responsible for feeding the engine with what you can see on stream as well as the game mechanics. Since the city is so packed to the, 
and the disc bandwidth of old gen consoles is what it is. It's something that constantly challenges us. Okay. So they give us an explanation as to like why this issue, like why this was an issue, but that doesn't really, that doesn't really make it better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, okay, we understand, but if this is a problem, like if this was a problem for, for uh, like the PS4 and the um, Xbox one, how are they going to fix that? Right? Like the game has been in development for years. And if this is a problem, how are they going to fix it? Because there's, they're essentially telling us it's a limitation of the hardware. Right? So maybe they should have made the game where it's less open world, like complete open world and, and have it have night city kind of broken into smaller chunks, so to speak. The other thing they could have just done is have loading screens. They tried too hard to do the whole God of War Witcher thing where it was like, you can walk through this part to load the next part of the game, but they tried to even like amplify it. So it wasn't very slow. Um, There is one other comment that they made and you guys are like, I would strongly suggest if you're a cyberpunk fan or you're a player, check out the FAQ that they have on their site. But the one question that I just find to be a real slap in the face to anybody who doesn't own a PC or a series X is the following. Did you test old gen consoles to keep tabs on the experience? And I'm not saying a PS five is an old gen, but the PS five and the PS four coding is near identical from what I understand when it comes to gameplay experience. Uh, the architecture is essentially the same. The PS five is, and is just more powerful. Same with the series X, right? It's the same, uh, base coding architecture they just have more features yeah the only thing is the patches they released for the series x made it work more like a pc because that's pretty much what the Series x is anyways the um the comment that they put put a really bad taste in my mouth so again the question was did you test old gen consoles to keep tabs on the experience so this is specifically the xbox one uh x and one s and the ps4 and the ps4 pro we did. As it turned out, our testing did not show many of the crashes you experienced while playing the game. As we got closer to launch, we saw significant improvements each and every day, and we really believed we'd deliver in the final day zero update. Fuck you. <laughs> just just fuck you, because here's why, and I, I don't care if I go on another expletive latent rant. Are you telling me that the people that you pay insane amount of money to play video games all day just played through the game no problem on their PS4 and was like, no issues here? Are you, are you kidding me? Do they have special PS4s that are just computers with a PS4 logo on them? That is the biggest crock of shit I have read on a press release in a very long time. I don't care how much free DLC they're going to throw at us. The fact that two more patches are coming. That right there in your writing should mean anybody who bought it on PS4, PS4 Pro, Xbox Series X, or no, sorry, not Series X, Xbox One X and Xbox One S should get a free refund. They have been. No, but like just give it to them and let them keep the game. Fuck you. That is bad. That is bad. You can't claim that. Like, do you know how hard QA like testers work? And if they find a bug, they have to report it. Was the guy sleeping? Was his fingers covered in Doritos? And he was just like, I'm not going to write this down. The, the, the sheer fact that it looks like a Nintendo 64 game on those consoles is enough for me to be like, did the guy like, did the guy or girl do their job? All their QA testing. And they were like, seems to be getting better. We should be fine. No. Unacceptable. You know what? Like the the speech and everything that the guy said was great. The fact that they gave us a roadmap for what the year looked like with two patches dropping before March. They're giving all owners of the game free DLC and they're doing an, the free next gen console update. So they're not going to charge you guys for it. If well, you... well, the, the next gen update was always going to be free. I know, but it's they like they, they made note to like put it as part of their release. So the game's going to be finally playable for most people by the end of the year. 
I, good, good for you guys. The thing is, is they should have just delayed it till the end of the year. Honestly, like if that's the case, because it, it's kind of ridiculous now that, you know, instead of being able to focus on releasing uh, DLC and working on the next gen console patches, they now have to spend a lot of their time focusing on fixing the game. And like I said, you know, mentioned how they said, you know, a big part of the issue is this streaming of like data streaming on the older hardware. You know, how do you fix that? Right. Um, and unless they are changing the game drastically, um, th- this kind of reminds me of, you know, back in the heydays of the 360 PS3 and the Wii, right? Yes. And if you wanted kind of like the def- definitive edition of a game, you know, the one that the developers put all of their time and money into, you would get it on Xbox 360 or PS3. But then there was always the Wii version of the game with a system that was still running like a power PC architecture, like still like a generation behind in hardware performance, still running on uh, standard def video only, right? You would get the same game, but it would be completely different, right? Like almost as if a completely different developer development team made the game and they just slapped the same name on. That's what this feels like. This feels like, you know, for console players, it feels like we got uh, the Wii version of a PC game. And so I haven't played Cyberpunk too much since I since I got it. Part of me is just waiting for patches to come out so that there's enough that I can actually have a, you know, a decent gameplay experience because the main issues that I've run into when I was playing were, you know, textures not loading properly or like NPCs without legs or limbs or whatever. Um, I haven't had any crashes, but like you said, you've, you've had some crashes and stuff like that. And, and it's a very common thing. Like the game is crashing a lot on consoles. And I think it's unfortunate for console players that they have to experience this game that way. Um, I, I actually saw someone posted on Reddit on on the PlayStation Trophies um, subreddit their platinum trophy for Cyberpunk, and on the PS4 and the PS5, when you get a trophy, it actually now takes a screenshot of the game or the screen so that you kind of have you can have something to share for that trophy, right? Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, a side note, the PS5 automatically records like 15 seconds of video as well. When you do that, like by default, you can turn it off. But um, when I, I didn't realize that it did that. And with like two games installed, I had like no hard, hard drive space free because there was like 13 <laughs> gigs of just video clips for trophies. It was stupid. Anyway, so someone posted a picture of their platinum trophy for cyberpunk and take a wild guess at what it was. Uh, what the screenshot was him, the character fucking something. No, it was the, uh, this game has crashed screen. Please wait while we're submitting a, a crash log to the developer. That's so good. It's like, it sums up the game so much that like, you know, and, and people in the in the thread were saying, "Oh, you know, game crashed on me like twenty six times during my my run through." And someone's like, "How long is the?" <laughs> this is the fa- my favorite thing. Someone asked, "How long does it take to get the platinum trophy in the game?" <laughs> it's the first comment was about thirty six crashes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like th- this is this is the state of this game right now and and they have like an updates roadmap but the thing is with this is that they don't really have any specific and and granted if they were to put specific dates then if they didn't match like if they didn't hit those dates people would be very pissed like more so right but this roadmap that they released they have you know 
release 2021-2022, and they just have some random-ass lines. So 2021, patch 1.1. That's obviously going to be in the first third of the year, but we don't know when. Patch 1.2 is going to be same within the first third of the year, but we don't know when. Um, free console update. They they said what? By by the second half of the year, right? Um, aiming for the second half of the year. So it's like they're, they're just giving vague a vague timeline of when things are going to be released. And it's like, yes, they're doing damage control. And I think they're being overly, overly cautious of like committing to any release dates or times for stuff like that for patches and whatnot. Yeah. But, and and like, honestly, I feel bad for the developers because I, I, I don't think that they deserve this launch for this game for the amount of time that they put in. And, and if anyone has played any of the Witcher games or any of the other games that CD project red has made, like they are, they're quality games. Like they, they do put the time and dedication and love into making their games. And it's just so unfortunate that cyberpunk 2077 just failed miserably all because like investors wanted their money. Yeah. Right. Like this is worse than a, an EA launch with microtransactions. You know, like Battlefront 2, when that came out and it was riddled with with uh, microtransactions and it actually that game ended up leading to some new laws in the European Union um, about like gambling and microtransactions and games and stuff like that. Like that launch though was horrible. But I think honestly this one might be worse because it's not so much that the game itself is like battlefront two was broken. It just had a lot of like microtransactions that people didn't like. And the game itself was essentially locked behind a paywall. Yeah. This launch, it's not that the, they are a bad company trying to nickel and dime everyone who bought the game, right. To spend more money in the game. It's the fact that they were, they release a game in such a broken state that, you know, this is like something like that you would expect a leaked alpha or a leaked beta to be, you know, back when Doom 3 was leaked on the internet many, many years ago. And it was like uh, a compiled mix between like in the alpha and beta build. And it was buggy as hell and it crashed. But that's that's what this game feels like right now. Which, yeah, I agree. Um I, I guess where we should leave it right now is like, I think we appreciate that they're trying to take ownership of it, but you should have taken ownership of it in November or in December when the game came out. It's like, I get the lip service and I get that you gave your people time off and there's rumors out there that you didn't receive a bonus. Your t- like you guys revoked people's bonuses because the quality wasn't up there. But reading everything I'm reading, it just smells to me as if they pushed the release because investors, Microsoft and Sony included were getting impatient and we can't blame a lot on Microsoft and Sony. I think they're doing a really great job with issuing refunds and like Sony's removed it from their store, but sometimes the pressure gets so big from above that you have to release something that maybe not be right or not complete. And they're paying for it. Now look at ET man for Atari. <laughs> yeah. You, you saw, you saw that episode of yeah, high yeah. school and everyone knows ET is a, a, a rushed game that was just made to that game was made in like, what, like three weeks or something. He had six weeks to do it. Start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what games um, well, speaking of Battlefront, I'm glad you uh, segued for us. You're a Battlefront 2 fan. The Celebration Edition is going to be free on Epic Games. This is not an advertisement, but it should be. That's a $51 game still. Is it? Go pick it up. It's free. Yeah. Did you uh, did you pick yours up today? Yeah. Like I, I have it on Xbox. I play it every so often, but I still, I still got it on PC because yeah. why not? Um, 
the the one thing about I've always kind of wanted to get Battlefront Two on PC, just because of the modding community. And the cool thing about this, though, is like EA could ban people for installing mods and whatnot on on um, Battlefront Two, but they don't because as long as you're not doing mods that allow you to cheat, um, it's like so essentially, if only you're doing is changing cosmetics, then they don't care because the only person that's going to see that is you. But there's like some pretty interesting costumes and stuff like that, like that people put in for for different characters and whatnot. But I don't know, like it's a fun game. It's fun to just hop in and and the nice thing though is like you know I mentioned when the game launched, it was a horrible launch. It was filled with microtransactions, and they actually got rid of all of them. Like they rebuilt the game essentially, and uh, there's no microtransactions. Everything's unlocked from playing the game. Um, and actually the celebration edition, um, was kind of like a deluxe, like almost game of the year edition for a game that would never win game of the year. Yeah. Um, where it automatically unlocked majority, if not all of the, um, the unlockable content up until let's see. Um, Battlefront 2 Celebration Edition. Get Star Battlefront 2 and the complete collection of customization content acquirable through in-game purchase from launch up to and including items inspired by Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. So essentially, uh, any of the in-game content that you could have unlocked from your character, like customizations, different um, skins and emotes and all that stuff, um, up until December 20th, 2019, was unlocked. There's still some other ones that are like still locked behind, you know, daily um, events and stuff like that. But, you know, there's, there's a decent amount of content in the game already. It's a lot of fun. Like, I don't know. It's I don't free. know. I'm a, it's free. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. You and I, every like seven months will be like, Hey, uh, do you want to play some? Yeah. What do you want to play? All right. Let's install battlefront. And then we play it for like a day and forget about it again. But it's I, fun every time we play. Just, it. I usually just hop on just for a few games like that. Um, it's such a long multiplayer, though. Like you can't just jump on for a few games. Like if you're doing those rushes, they're like thirty minute games, man. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, because it's like the same same concept as as Battlefield, right? Like the large maps and longer games. But um, do you do you know what? Um, how, how do I put this? Do you know what one of the best parts of Battlefront is? Well, I don't know. It's one of the last games that uh, EA had full rights to. Well, <laughs> I don't know if that's a very good segue. <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to take a shot at EA where I could. Yeah. You remember, you remember a few months ago when we were approached by the Sims community to talk a little bit about... Um, I can't even remember the, the title of it. It was at Galaxy... The, um, trip to Jabu, I think it was for the, the Sims four expansion that you could get. Yeah. And how we were like, yeah, this is definitely um, EA's final kick at their license being like, shit, we got to make some games. And then like rogue squadrons came out. Um, we had the uh, fallen Jedi a few or almost a year before. And then this weird Sims star Wars thing journey to Batu. Sorry. And we were like, yeah, this, this really seems like, EA is trying to either save their license or use it well. It's just their license. Well, turns out we were right. The license is no longer exclusively theirs. Lucasfilms has sold a game, or the, I guess they're partnered up with now Ubisoft for an open world Star Wars game. So essentially what happened, um, it's not... So LucasArts... Oh, did I say Lucasfilm? No, it oh, is Lucasfilm. Yeah, yeah. So here's here's what it is. LucasArts still doesn't exist. Disney and Lucasfilm created um, a a new game develop like I don't know production company almost like where or a distributor whatever you want to call it called Lucasfilm Games, which is stupid. Just bring back the LucasArts name, but whatever. Um, so essentially Lucasfilm games owns the licenses for all star Wars games created. Yeah. And they can now 
have the rights that they can essentially control which companies can make games. So uh, EA no longer has exclusive rights to make Star Wars games. Um, they now will essentially, if they want to make a Star Wars games, get a license or get permission from Lucasfilm Games to make a Star Wars game. So this is exactly what's happening with Ubisoft because Ubisoft has, it's been announced that Ubisoft is working on a Star Wars game. So Ubisoft doesn't necessarily have rights to make whatever Star Wars games they want. They, they are being licensed the Star Wars I don't know. They're they're getting the Star Wars license to make this game, right? So uh, this essentially gives Lucas Arts or Lucasfilm and Disney control over whether or not, like, so that they don't get another Battlefront Two fiasco, right? Where a game comes out and it just completely, utterly is shit on because of how. Uh, how the developer kind of took the game. Um, but I don't know. I, I was reading online. Some people are upset that Ubisoft is making a Star Wars game. Some people love the idea of it. I personally am kind of excited because Ubisoft does make, yes, they do have the cookie cutter syndrome where a lot of their games kind of continue on the same gameplay style or whatnot. But when you think about it, some of their games though, in, in the last few years have been, you know, some of the, the best looking games and the story wise and the way that they set them up to, you know, for like co-op play, mm-hmm. they like a, like a ghost recon like Wildlands or Breakpoint style game, or even, you know, The Division. Man, Wildlands was so broken. I know, but it's it's (laughs) open, like, or even like Assassin's Creed, like they're open world games that are detailed with, you know, long going stories. Like imagine a story of an up and coming Jedi in an open world Star Wars universe. I know, I I know you can only get so erect. (laughs) No, I was uh, I was going to ask you this question, but I, I now can't because you're you're hypothesizing on your own. But I was going to say, if you could just knowing what you know, if you could give me like a thirty second to minute synopsis slash idea for a game based off the engines that you already know about in Ubisoft, what would the story be and how would it kind of feel? And you're like, oh, it's a it's an unknown Jedi. So continue on and, and <laughs> well, just tell me. So, so think about it though. Like the, the, the engine that Ubisoft uses is Snowdrop, which is a pretty, pretty capable game engine. Um, oh, that's my Google home just went off. Um, the, they could take different ass. Well, okay. Like think of um, Phoenix immortal rising. I know that is essentially just a mix between breath of the wild and Assassin's Creed, and it did very well. Um, it's it's not a super long game. It kind of took a lot of like the the grindiness out of Assassin's Creed and put it into a more easily easier to manage game, right? But um, I I just want to see something like uh, an open world Star Wars game where yeah, you're a Jedi. Um, I, I would love something that takes place right at the end of episode three during the purge or like Fair. after episode three during the purge. Um, you know what? I want to see another bounty hunter game. Oh, I would love a Mandalorian right? game. Maybe not so, like, maybe not focused on the current Mando slash Grogu storyline, but more or less you're a mercenary you're doing job like it'll be very much like destiny or far cry yeah like they could do easily you know uh well like there was a the Django fat game star wars bounty hunter years ago um which followed Django fat and that's the third person action game you know like the, like the classic kind of star wars stuff i would love like a a jedi knight 4 um, 
kind of more modernized, right? Uh, Knights of the Old Republic three. Um, this is also really interesting because it, this isn't necessarily relate. This doesn't exactly relate to video games, but Disney has started um, a new Star Wars. Um, we'll say chapter, and it's a mixture. Uh, it's a multimedia conglomerate of various different forms of media, books, comics, uh, TV shows, um, short stories, eventually maybe some games. And it's takes it's star Wars, the high Republic. So this is a, in the star Wars universe, but 2000 years before the Skywalker saga before star Wars episode one. Yeah. So this gives them literally thousands of years where they can make stories. So the, the, the high Republic, it is during the, you know, the high time of the old Republic or I guess as it's called now the high Republic. So lots of Jedi Sith, all that stuff. So this is a good move for Disney, for LucasArts, Lucasfilm, and really any game developer because they have started this, um, new chapter in the Star Wars universe that is covers thousands of years that literally anyone can make um, a story that takes place into it. And the nice thing is that they don't have to at all connect it or relate it to the Empire, to Palpatine, to you know the Skywalkers, right? The universe is their oyster, so to speak. So I'm actually really interested to see more info on this game that Ubisoft is making, because I would love for them to make a game that takes place in the high Republic era. I actually just, uh, there's a book that just came out. Um, let me, I forget what it's called now. Um, and what is it? Star Wars light of the Jedi. And this is one of the first novels that actually came out in uh, the High Republic um, kind of story timeline. Makes sense. Um, and like there's comics and stuff like that. Now, Disney announced a few weeks ago, remember, they're, during the Star Wars, all those Star Wars announcements, right? Star Wars Acolyte. You remember the name of that? Like, uh, that, I do, that, yeah, but about? I don't remember what it kind of like sat behind. But yeah, go so, on. Star Wars Acolyte is a television series um, that apparently is going to focus on the emergence of dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. So this is my kind of theory of how this High Republic thing is going to go. Or how how Disney's going to work on this? They start off with the High Republic, so all like the good Jedi, and then it ends with the emergence of uh, the you know the dark side of the the Force, you know the Sith, all that stuff. And then I feel like we're going to have a almost like a second chapter where it's going to focus more on the dark side, and we're going to get like the you know the bad, so to speak, Star Wars stuff. And and by bad I mean like evil, not this is garbage. Um, did you mm-hmm. you never played uh, you never played uh, Knights of the Old Republic, right? No, uh, it was always one of those ones where if I could get to it, I could get to it. But no, I'm, unfortunately, no. They're, they are great RPGs made by Bioware in their heyday, um, and and I feel like those games could really really sit in the. Um, post High Republic era, because there's a lot of like the dark side. The Sith are actually the Sith actually are a um, almost like a global police kind of thing, so to speak. So I don't know. I, I think um, with Lucasfilm kind of taking back their license from uh, EA, and yeah. with how Disney actually has a pretty decent roadmap and 
And from what I've seen, people are excited for this um, this new Star Wars, like the new possibilities for these the, the High Republic era. Um, and I think with the changes to the licensings for these games, um, this might be we might be going back to the heyday of Star Wars games, right? Like Episode One Racer, Jedi Knight. Um, Jedi Power Battles. Do you remember? Did you ever play that one? Uh, no. Such a uh, good I, game on PS, PS1. I'll be honest with you. When uh, growing up, the only Star Wars games I played would have been what was it? Empire Strikes Back on the Super Nintendo. Um, I had Rogue Squad, not Rogue Squadron, Star Wars Pod Racer on the Nintendo 64. Um, but we we had like a lot more Mario and Goldeneye yeah. and stuff. But like, I don't recall anything between Gen three for me and Gen. Okay, fair enough. Four. But like, there was a ton of games on the GameCube and the PS two and the Xbox and the PC, right? Like stuff that really re- explored the expanded universe of Star Wars. And Disney is slowly bringing back some of these characters and these concepts and these stories back into, um star wars canon because Mm -hmm. if you remember when disney acquired lucasfilm they're like anything that's not the movies and the tv shows any content that we make directly moving forward is considered legend so it's not part of star wars canon so now they're starting to take they're they're picking the the parts that they like which is good and bad because there's a lot of interesting stories that have been told and like i'm i'm reading um the star wars rebellion comic it's a like a collection of like old like dark horse comics and stuff like that and there's like some stories in here that i'm reading it's like they're cool like they explore stuff that takes place after episode four with the rebellion and the empire um but it's kind of like none of this is technically canon until Disney decides to pull some of these characters back into the limelight and, and put them into a, a series or, or a yeah. comic or something like that. But I don't know. Like uh, I, I think this is a, a good move for Disney and I think is a good move for, for Lucas films and for the fans as well, because I think uh, having one company own the rights to, all content made under the star Wars name was a bad decision. Um, because we got that, like I said before, you know, the, the battlefront two fiasco and then nothing, lots of mobile games with microtransactions, right? Because people are more acceptable, more accepting of microtransactions and mobile games, right? than they are in their $60, you know, home, home console game. Um, and then they kind of released, uh, Star Wars Squadrons out of the blue, and it felt like people were worried that it was rushed, but it's actually a pretty solid flight simulator in the Star Wars universe, right? But it the amount of time that it took for them to release that game was fairly long, right? Like, not enough... There's not enough Star Wars content for, for gamers, and I think um, it's... Well, I don't think you want to oversaturate the market. Like, look at... Um, a great example of the oversaturation that could possibly happen is look at what's happened with the Marvel games, right? They've always had like the Marvel and the DC kind of like side-scrolling fighters. You've had your side-scrolling superhero games. You've had your Spider-Man games, which are exclusive now to Sony. And then you have the Avengers, which is multi-platform, which also caused issues with Spider-Man and Sony's rights. When you go to Star Wars... I'm glad it's all one rights owner that has absolutely everything. But if you all of a sudden get like an announcement of five more games in the next, we'll say six years, that's a lot to take in. Considering we just got Jedi Falling Order not that long ago. And we got the Squadrons game this year, right? Like those those are two games. So here's the thing, though, like with... The Marvel games and stuff like that, it's the same, regardless of the superhero, it's still going to be the same, uh, like gameplay concept, right? 
I, well, I, I think Star Wars is going to be the same too with button smash. It's like a Batman game. It's going to happen. I think. I think though, um, like the Lego games is probably a better con- comparison because you look at how they came out with all of these Lego games that were the different movies and all the stuff like that. There was Lego Star Wars, Lego Indiana Jones, Lego Harry Potter, Lego Marvel, Lego Batman, all that stuff, right? But it's the same game over and over and over again. And I feel like the quality, sure, like the the the, the game engine might have improved, but once you if you've played one Lego game, you've played them all. And I think with if if we look back at the types of Star Wars games that came out back in the early two thousands or or mid two thousands, there was enough variety in the styles of games that it didn't feel oversaturated even though there was a ton of games they had the side scrollers they had the third person shooters they had the flight simulators they had the racers so i think as long as the 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 star wars games don't get stuck in the same cookie cutter concepts where like EA, they did Battlefront and then Battlefront 2, same games, just a third, first and third person shooter, arcade shooter, right? Um, Jedi Fallen Order was a nice change to, uh, yes, it was an adventure game. It was a platformer, um, but it still had a story and it it took elements from other games that people really enjoyed. Um, And I think as long as developers are kind of given the freedom to create the games that they want. Like, can you imagine like a side scroller or, or like another game like star Wars empire strikes back or return of the Jedi, like the side scroller for super Nintendo, another game like that, but modernized. Right? Well, we we've also come to determine that there's like literally three types of games. Now you've got your FPS. Well, I mean, there's a lot of types of games, but when you're looking at your type of, gameplay style the game's either going to look like uh the story mode in an fps you're going to see kind of like the story mode in a rpg or which typically always ends up in the i'm gonna smash x or i'm gonna smash square as long as i can to have like a sick lightsaber combo batarang combo smashing fighting combo sword combo it doesn't matter i get that and uh, like I, I appreciate where you're coming from. My argument is more so like not a, not against the whole like, well, this is what Marvel did. They backed off and then they came back. And I agree with you with your Star Wars analogy as well when it comes to Lego. What I, what I'm saying is if you oversaturate the market now that all these games are like this license is available seemingly for anybody to have, you're going to have Fallout with Star Wars. You know, Star Wars will probably end up going to Fortnite because the license is available to have those characters because that's now how it's going to work. We're going to be oversaturated and overstimulated by Star Wars games because there's no movies planned for the future right now. Well, there are movies, but they're not near like production, right? Like when's Patty Jenkins movie coming out? Friggin' 2024? something like that 23 so so like there's there's gonna be a gap and i i get what you're saying and i appreciate it and as a fan of star wars i'm currently drinking out of my my empire shaker uh as a fan like i could not be more excited i love playing the games i love feeling like i'm in star wars but if you all of a sudden oversaturate the market by abusing the license you're gonna have the same problem we have with there's like eight battle royales out there right now there's a bunch of FPSs that people play for like a week and then they revert back to Call of Duty and Fortnite. It's the same thing over and over and over again. Please, for the love of God, Ubisoft, you know Bethesda wants in on this somehow and I think they can make a really grungy kind of like Empire game, which would be really, really cool. Like a Skyrim kind of yeah. friggin'. I, I think the the only thing that could be done to prevent star Wars game fatigue, so to speak would be to ensure that there is enough variety in gameplay types, because not everyone likes the RPG style. Not everyone likes the racers. Not everyone likes the shooters, right? As long as there's a variety in gameplay types and they all tell 
interesting and compelling stories that like, who are we kidding? We don't play star Wars games because we, we, you know, love the developer. We play star Wars games because we want to feel like we're in the universe. Right. Yeah. Um, and as long as they make games that make you feel like you are part of the story, you are in the star Wars universe or you're exploring something, um, that you want to explore, then I think we'll be okay. Um, but this is also requires Lucasfilm or Lucasfilm games to be diligent in who they give the license to create Star Wars content. Yeah. As, as long as they don't fatigue it, I think I'm okay with it. And I, as I'm saying this, I'm currently trying to figure out how much the, um, the Skywalker saga is for Star Wars that's releasing on Xbox Series X and Xbox One. Because then I have all nine movies in Lego form. Oh yeah, I'm I'm actually quite interested in in getting that when it comes out. Just because. Well, the Lego games are fun. Like, do you remember? I think you were part of it when we all had. Um, there was a digital version that we all had on our Xbox 360s, and we just played the shit out of it for a weekend in college. Yep. Everybody's just sitting there playing couch co-op. Fingers are blistering, and you're just you're drinking and you're playing Star Wars. Those were the days. Um, we do have two more topics to get to. I know um, I could talk about this Star Wars thing for legitimate hours. Um, the last thing I will say about Star Wars, just because you, you never let me, <laughs> was <laughs> I, I kind of alluded to it with the, the like if Bethesda took a crack at it, I'd want like a grungy um, kind of empire driven Skyrim game where you maybe had the choice of picking light or dark in your game. Actually, it would be more like fallout where you could choose to be good or evil, but that would be kind of neat to like choose and carve your own path. Um, the other thing I'd really want is like a far cry, which is based on the premises of like the Mandalorian lore. So it's a lot more bounty hunting and fetch quests, but you also get to explore the open world. You can meet allies. You can help them. You get, you can do a bunch of stuff, but those would be the two game formats. I think I'd really try and follow um, in, in my personal, like in my personal yeah. opinion, I think those would be two of the best ones. Like if you have kind of like that, but it has to be grungy. If you're doing like, if Bethesda somehow gets their hands on, the ability to make a license, I think they could make a killer Star Wars game just with the amount of steampunk that they always use mm-hmm. in follow games. They already have kind of like the infrastructure, the design, the robots, all that kind of stuff. I want, ultimately, I want a game where you play as the Empire or you, or you play like the a bad, the, the, the evil side and continue to play the evil side. None of this like halfway through the game, oh, you know what? I'm actually going to be a good guy now. Because sometimes evil prevails. Fair. Um, Speaking of prevails and longevity, Pokemon turns 25 this month. And that's a pretty huge deal. They announced this morning that Pokemon Snap or new Pokemon Snap has a release date of April 30th. Check out the trailer. It's a lot. Of Pokemon, and I know the word on the internet right now is people are very impressed with um, how things kind of look. And a lot of people are also disappointed in the fact that it's a lot of newer Pokemon opposed to old Pokemon. What are your thoughts? You know, I thought about that too when I when I saw it. And I think I'm, I'm hoping that we do get to see a lot of the classic Pokemon just for that nostalgic feel of Pokemon Snap. Um, but at the same time, you know, the game came out 25 years ago. Uh, there's There are generations of kids that are playing Pokemon that haven't really seen or really care about the the starter Pokemons that, like the, the first 151 Pokemon, right? Yeah. Um, I... I think honestly, the best thing that they could do with this is release a classic Pokemon snap mode. Uh, essentially. Uh, and you know what? Hell make remaster the original six maps. Yeah. Make it a paid DLC for all I care. Right. Um, but 
put that original Pokemon Snap, remaster those maps, have that all in there, and give people like the best of both worlds, right? The new Pokemon, because as much as people love Pokemon, you know, it has evolved. It has grown up over the last 25 years. And as much as you might only care about those original 151 Pokemon, there are like, what, like over 500 now that have made. And they can't, we can't just, you know, complain about the fact that they are not honoring the original Pokemon because they have a huge library of stuff to choose from. And they can't just cater to the people that played the game 25 years ago when it released, right? Because they're not the, sorry to say, but they're not the market. Yeah, they're banking on that, but they're also banking on it. I don't know. The way I look at it, I agree with you 100%. I think if you did a paid DLC or even a DLC of the original Johto area, I mean, that's awesome. And like just with some Indigo League kind of stuff, amazing. Mm -hmm. But please, Nintendo, support this game for a while. Don't just release a game with like seven tracks and charges $69 for it or $79 for it. Because that'll be ultimately upsetting. The first Pokemon Snap got away with that because it was new. It was the fact that it was riding the coattails of like literally the biggest franchise since Mario just to come out of nowhere. And I would argue that Pokemon might have surpassed Mario in the grand scheme of ultimate video game franchises. They're they're definitely one and two, like as much as Halo wants to come to the party and a few other games, mm-hmm. there, there's a large gap between the those two Nintendo properties and everything else. Um, with that being said, though, I do I do wholeheartedly agree that if you don't support these kind of things or have maps that are designed to bring back the parents of these kids that are playing this game, you didn't do a good enough job. This is supposed like last year was Mario's year. Now this year is Pokemon's year. Let's, let's make it happen. Yeah. Do you know what, do you know what um, companies are not having a good year or should I say properties? It is their year. No longer Ubisoft announced today that uh writer's Republic will be delayed until further notice. Um, aiming at a 2022 release. I know when I messaged you, this morning about it, you were like, I don't remember this one, but that was the one where they were like snowboarding, dirt biking, bicycling. Oh yeah. With like a hundred people. Yeah. And you just kind of like freely do whatever you want and do tricks and stuff. Yeah. I thought that game looked really cool. The one that kind of uh, sent a blow through the community. I know it's supposed to be a timed um, Sony exclusive, but now I think it might just all release at the same time unless Sony pays more money for it. Hogwarts Legacy isn't going to be released this year anymore and it will be released in 2022 and truthfully speaking if it weren't for the other half I probably like she wanted to get the PS5 for that I'm like don't worry it comes out for the Series X and she's like yeah but that's your console so like I get it but man the Hogwarts one is a huge blow because that would have sold copies yeah meh I'm just, I'm so desensitized now to delays that like me talking about it for 10 minutes isn't going to really do anything, but I'm hopeful that these companies like, I, I know Ubisoft has probably thought long and hard about it, but they've looked at the mistakes that CD project red have clearly made. And you can still go back to last year's or two years ago, failed launch of vault 76 which is still i mean cyberpunk is now worse than it so Mm -hmm. it has been forgiven for its sins but companies have to learn from these other companies mistakes and when you watch like i'm really hopeful that hogwarts pans out and is a really cool game but i also hope that it's not followed by another three delays like just take your time get it done you've clearly learned from cd project red's mistakes Focus on fixing the bugs and get it released. That's true. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that, like you said, you know, just become so desensitized to it. Um, and in this day and age, it's kind of expected now, right? Mm-hmm. And and again, you know, everyone is still being affected by the global pandemic that's been going on, 
right? So a lot of companies have been working from home still. So it's, it's probably no surprise to anyone that, you know, pr- production of these games has slowed down significantly because they, they aren't able to get things, you know, from departments to departments as quickly or, you know, collaboration with people. Sure. It still can be done over like webcams and all that stuff, but um, it's, it's not the same as that like face-to-face interaction and like being able to like, Oh, I have uh, this great idea. I'm just going to walk down the hall to Frank's cubicle and see what he says. And like, we can work on this together. No, you got to call him up. You got to do all that stuff. Right. I'm not surprised. Honestly, I would rather a game be delayed multiple times and released in a playable state rather than what we got with CD project red and cyberpunk. I agree. I agree to the greatest extent. And I think that's where we're leaving it today. Unless you had a, anything else, uh, yeah. a David's musing, if you will. Ah, uh, no, I, I have nothing to muse anyone with. Well, you amuse me. Not good enough. Not good enough. <laughs> and on that corny joke, we want to thank you guys for listening. Welcome back to our second new year's episode that we clearly made the joke about and forgot. And we hope to see you guys next week. Take care. Peace.